Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Philippians once more. Philippians in chapter number four. Philippians in chapter number four. And uh, we've come now to the last, the very last section of the book of Philippians. It's, it, to me, it's always bittersweet, you know, to come to the end of a preaching series. Uh, <laughs> it's almost overwhelming. <laughs> it uh, it kind of gets to be a part of you, you know. Supposed to. I mean, well, I mean, it's the Word of God. You'd hope it'd get to be a part of you, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm glad God preserved His Word for us. Yeah. So good. Uh, let's look at Philippians 4, verse 10 and following. We're going to begin in verse 10. Our text begins in verse number 14, but it'll help us to get uh, Philippians 4, 10 and, and the verses uh, that follow to get the context of it here. And basically... Uh, Paul is saying thank you, but Paul can't just say thank you. <laughs> he says a whole lot when he says thank you. Now, you and I, when we say thank you, that may be it, but not Paul. <laughs> of course, he's under inspiration. I get that. But just uh, uh, God used him and, and he walked with God and we benefit from it. Let's read about it now in, in Philippians 4 and verse number 10, where he writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful or you had concern. You were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Some have opportunity, but they don't care. But Paul said, I realize you, you, it wasn't like you were lacking care. You just didn't have the opportunity. Not now, not that I speak in respect to want. That's what he said in the next verse, verse 11. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? Content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed. There's another word related to like what he said, I've learned. I am instructed. I've learned the secret of this to be both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. How's that? Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding. He comes back to the subject of their giving. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... Philippi is in the region of Macedonia. When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Notice, notice how careful Paul is in what he's saying here. You sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift. You see how that's very parallel to what he said, not that I speak in respect to one. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm not saying this to get more from you. I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. It's not like I'm fishing for more. He's not like a lot of modern charismatic prosperity gospel, Peter Popoff type preachers who say, send me more, send me more, send me more. Paul says, you know, actually, I've got enough. I got everything I need. We had a, 
missionary that we sent some funds to and he actually sent it back and said, actually so many other churches gave that I didn't even need it. That's character. That's good. Now I, w I would have said, well, keep it. You'll, you'll have a need for it someday. You know, but he sent it back. Didn't even have a chance to. Check was in the mail. Paul says, um, not that I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And then verse 18, he makes very clear. He says, but I have all and abound. I am full. I have enough. I have plenty. I have all that I need. That's the idea. In fact, the word full and the word supply in verse 19 are the same word. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which, uh, which were sent from you an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Then verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Mercy, what a verse. <laughs> now unto God... And our Father, just the mention of the riches and glory by Christ Jesus, I think, just caused him to go right into praising the Lord in verse number 20. Now unto God our, and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ. You know, the book began by Paul saying, Paul and Timotheus, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints which are in Philippi, to all the saints, not leaving one out. So now he says, tell everybody hi. That's how we'd say it, right? To all the saints, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. That would include Iodius and Syntyche. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Now, check this out. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. You know what he's saying right there? Some of them have trusted Christ. The gospel had an impact on Rome. Now, it took a chain to get Paul there, but he got there and he got a pulpit, a captive audience. And then he ends it, and don't, don't think for a moment Paul's just kind of signing off like he normally does. He didn't do anything unintentionally. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Tonight, we're going to look at our heavenly account, our heavenly account. You got a bank account? Maybe you got a regular bank account. You got a savings account. You got a retirement account, perhaps, or you need one, right? You got an account? Well, I want to encourage you tonight. If you're a believer here tonight, you've got a heavenly bank account, a heavenly account. Those who give can trust God to supply. Those who give can trust God to supply. I believe it'll be an encouragement. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll consider the final words of this letter to the Philippians. <clears throat> Hudson Taylor said this, our heavenly father is a very experienced one. Our heavenly father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. 
Wasn't that right? He knows that his children wake up. We wake, you woke up with a good, I woke up this morning. I, I mean, we ate after the Lord's Supper last night, you know, and, and, you know, so I went to bed full, but I woke up this morning. I thought, man, I'm hungry. Well, I'm glad we got, we have a God who knows we wake up and we have a appetite every morning. And then he goes on to say this. He said, he sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. When God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will not lack God's supply. That awesome. I love it. Came across another good quote by Hudson Taylor that I wanted to share with you. Listen to this, it's really good. It matters little to my servant whether I send him to buy a few cash worth of things or the most expensive articles. So he sends out a servant, you know, to run an errand, you know, to buy something. It doesn't matter to the servant if I send him to buy something that's really inexpensive or if I send him to buy something that is very expensive. And he goes on to explain, in either case, he looks to me for the money and brings me his purchases. You follow what he's saying? I mean, when, when dad sends you to, to buy something at the store and hopefully sent money with you, it didn't matter if he sent you to buy an ice cream cone or if he sent you to buy a truck, either way it doesn't matter because it's his money. And he sent you on an errand with it. So if God should place in me, place me rather, in serious perplexity, must he not, must he not give me much guidance? If God puts me in much perplexity, have you been there before not knowing what to do? If he puts you or allows you to be in much, much perplexity, must he not also give you much guidance? If he puts you in a position of great difficulty, will he not also give you much grace? If he puts you in circumstances of great pressure and trial, will he not also give you much strength? I love this. No fear that his resources will prove unequal to the emergency. No fear that his resources will prove unequal to the, his resources. To the emergency, rather. I'm sorry, let me say that one more time because it's so good. I want to say it right. No fear that his resources will prove unequal to the emergency. In other words, I know that if God is allowing me to go through this or he's put me in this, he can give me what I need in the midst of it. And his resources will not, shall not, cannot be unequal to whatever the emergency is. It does not mean that I like the perplexity. It does not mean that I like the set of circumstances that I may find myself in. But it does mean this, I can trust God to supply all my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And his resources are mine for he is mine and he is with me and dwells in me. A man named Robert Gramacki said this, the saint who gives will come to know intimately the God who provides. The saint who gives will come to know intimately the God who provides. Uh, last time we were in the book of Philippians, we were uh, all enrolled in the school of contentment. The school of contentment. Remember we talked about th these things I've learned and I've been instructed in. Paul, 
found his source of contentment outside of his circumstances. Too often, we are dependent on our circumstances for our contentment. If you remember, I failed that test a couple of weeks ago as I had a day off and, it, and along with the projects of the day, I already had a good number of projects lined up to do. And in addition to that, found out we had a leaky faucet and a drain that would not drain and a check engine light that would not go off and black tape was not the solution. <laughs> and it affected my contentment. <laughs> it did. Well, you'll be glad to know that the sink doesn't leak, the drain drains, and the check engine light is off as of yesterday. Hallelujah. So contentment is back, right? We do, don't we? We base our contentment on our circumstances. Paul is saying, listen, I, I've learned not to base my contentment on my circumstances because if you base your contentment on your circumstances, there's sometimes you're going to be happy, but there's going to be a lot of times, come on, let's just be honest, that you're just not because things aren't going swell and things aren't going great. But, but Paul says, I've learned to find my contentment in another source. Now, when you read that on the surface, uh, it sounds a lot like what you read about of the Stoics. The Stoics were mentioned in Acts chapter number 17. I read about them this morning in my Bible reading. If you're going through, then you read of the Epicureans who were all about pleasure. The Stoics were stoic. The Stoics were stoic in the sense in that they were saying, hey, Pleasure can't affect me. Pain can't affect me. I have no feeling. I'm unmoved. I have everything I need in myself. Well, it's rooted in humanism. And, and so they're saying, I'm not going to be moved by pleasure. I'm not going to be moved by pain. I'm just going to be content in myself. I don't think all the Stoics were as Stoic as they said they were. Because I guarantee you they had a bad day along the way. They just didn't let anybody know about it. Paul, I mean, he says, you know, my source of contentment is not in my circumstances. So I don't say on, on face value, on the surface, it would seem like Paul's saying the same thing that the, that the Stoics are saying. They're saying they're independent of their circumstances. But listen, they are completely different. Here's why. Because Paul was dependent on the right source. They were dependent on themselves. Paul was independent of his circumstances because he was dependent on Christ. And there's nothing that he was facing in life or that he would face in life that Christ could not handle. And thus he said, I've learned to be content. I, I know what it is to be abased. I know what it is to abound. I, I, I know what it is to be low. I know what it is to be, to be blessed and be happy. I know what it is to be hungry. And I know what it is to be full. In all things and in every way, he's basically saying, I found my contentment in Jesus Christ. And I just want to say to you before we move on to this next section, listen, if you find, try to find your contentment, you try to find your source of happiness somewhere horizontally, you're going to be sadly disappointed at some point because we try to get horizontally that which we can only get vertically. Paul, Paul is saying, listen, uh, uh, poverty can consume your life. Wealth could consume your life. The secret to contentment is finding your sufficiency in Jesus Christ. I like what the King James Bible commentary says. It says this, a living Christ on the inside is more than sufficient to endure the consequences on the outside, circumstances on the outside. 
because Christ can enable us. And so Paul, Paul explained all that, but then he came back to their giving and he says, listen, now I don't want you to get the wrong idea. He's saying, listen, you did well. You did right that you gave. You did right that you gave. And the word of God, it highlights the significance of those that would do their part in giving. Let's look back at verse number 14. He says, notwithstanding you have done well, or well done rather, that you did communicate. Communicate. Now, we usually use that word, don't we, in terms of our communication, our verbal communication. But right here, the word is fellowship. Sometimes you'll see it fellowship. Actually, it's a rare word that, that is only used three times. Uh, specifically, it's used in Ephesians 5 and verse number 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Uh, so the word is this, a deep partnership of two people going the same direction. So in Ephesians, he says, don't have any fellowship with those that are in darkness because you're light. You're not going the same direction that they're going in. But Paul says here, you've done well in that you did fellowship with me. Now, the, the idea that he has in mind is their support and their, uh, their, their um, giving in the work of the gospel. He says, listen, you've done well because we are going in the same direction. Okay, so you've done well that you did communicate with me in my Affliction. Now look at verses uh, 16 and 17. He says, for Eve, um, I'm sorry, verse 15, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, I departed, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me. In other words, he's saying, none of the other churches were a financial help to me, but you were. You were a great help unto me. Now, let me, let me just put it on pause here. There's several things to try to mine out and and, and to pass on or for us to consider. One would be this, Paul is very careful not to even give a hint of being in the ministry for the money. He is so super careful about that. He, he's given a very detailed account. And so I read one person that said this, that the handling of money is a heavy weight hanging on the thin wires of integrity and accountability. The handling of money. So we've got, we've got missionaries here. We, we've, got, um, uh, we've got evangelists here that are supported. And I think, and I'm thankful for this. They look at their finances the same way that Paul did. They realize, hey, listen, this is God's money given through God's people to me. I dare not, I dare not misuse the funds. That's how Paul felt. He says uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2, for neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. In other words, he's saying, listen, I, it wasn't like we presented ourselves one way when really all we wanted was the money. He was careful. In fact, when he came into a town, he was not dependent on that town or those people for his, his, his uh, income, but rather he would work with his own hands. Or he said, you know, um, he says, I, I, robbed, I robbed the churches. Now that sounds bad. If you stop reading right there, then you're going to think Paul is a thief. That's not what he's saying. He says, I took from other churches so that church in Corinth, I would not be a burden to you. And one of those churches, in fact, what he's talking about is the church of, of Macedonia and how that they in a great trial of affliction gave to God's work and to Paul so that he could be free to help out. It's wrong for a preacher or a music group to say, hey, we'll only come if you give us X amount of dollars. That's making merchandise of the gospel. I just thought I'd throw that in there for free. 
It's just not right. It's not ministry at that point. That's entertainment. That's entertainment. Okay. And my uncle who was an evangelist used to say this, when you get too big for a little church, you're too little for a big church. If you think I'm too good to go there, I'm thankful the, the preachers that go out from here all over the place. It does not matter what size of a congregation it is. They just go wherever it is. It doesn't matter what the love offering is or if they get it because I know many who have given it back. Hey, listen, we're not in it for the money. Not at all. You want to make a good investment. Look at verse number 17. It says, not because I desire a gift. I'm not looking. I'm not fishing for more. Not that I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. Hey, listen, I want to tell you tonight, there is a heavenly ledger. There is a heavenly account that God keeps meticulously. He keeps it. Um, and those investments have eternal dividends. If you give to Faith Promise Missions, or hey, how about this? If you tithe, whichever all God's people ought to tithe, but also if you, give, if you tithe and you give to Faith Promise Missions, you have investments in Sri Lanka, India, China, Zambia, uh, Mexico, Argentina, Colorado. I mean, all over. You got, you've got investment. You, you say, I do? through the missionaries. And those yield eternal dividends. Will Rogers uh, said this, when we all have uh, questioned some of our investments, I'm not as concerned with the return on my money as I am the return of my money. <laughs> That's good. You know, um, giving to God's work sometimes doesn't look like it's a worthwhile investment. Sometimes, from our perspective. I was uh, listening to the radio this morning on my way back from a run, and, and um, David Jeremiah was speaking, and he told the story of a, of a couple uh, that gave their lives serving as missionaries in uh, Africa. And because of their age and because of their health, they were on their way back uh, from Africa, back to the United States by, by boat, by ship. This is back in those days. Theodore Roosevelt was on the same vessel. He's on the same boat. And um, I mean, everybody is just mesmerized because the president, you know, is on the same, same ship and he's coming back from Africa after this great hunting expedition and such. And so everybody's crowned around him and the missionary, the man said, you know, honey, it just doesn't seem fair. Here we are, we've given our whole life, you know, serving Christ in Africa and, and people are all around the president, but nobody's paying any attention. He was having a little bit of a pity party. It came, you know, they landed there and my, there was a great welcome, you know, for the president and there was journalists there and people were there and, and, and a big welcome for him. Nobody was there to welcome the missionaries. He got into their home or into the home that they were going to rent and set up, you know, for their living. And, and he said, you know, it just, it's still, this is bothering me. It just doesn't seem fair. And his wife told him, well, why don't you go tell God about it? <laughs> Thank God for a godly wife like that, right? Sometimes. <laughs> why don't you just go tell God about it? So he kneeled down there and he told God how he felt about it. And he said, it was like God put his put his hand on my shoulder when I said, you know, the president gets a big welcome when he comes home, but we didn't even get a welcome when we came home. And he said, it's like God put his hand on my shoulder and said, well, son, you're not home yet. There's a welcome 
into that eternal home that we can't even begin to fathom. Paul says, listen, if you've given, you, you've got an eternal account here. You've got fruit that is abounding to your account, and you've been a blessing to me. It's been a help. In fact, look at verse number 18. He says, I, I have all and I abound. Listen, what, what you gave helped me. By the way, Paul was not like on a mission to suffer. It wasn't like his, his goal in life, I wonder how hard I can suffer, how bad I can suffer. That was not his, that was not his mission. He was not on a mission to suffer. So if you're on a mission to suffer, stop. Get off that mission right? He was not on a mission to suffer, but the mission that he was on often brought suffering, but it also often brought plenty. And so he says, listen, you've met my need. I've got everything that I need. But here's what Paul is saying. I know that you have put yourself out to meet my need. And there's no way that I can repay you for what you've given to me. But I know somebody who can and you put yourself out, you put yourself in a place where you're meeting somebody else's need, so I'm gonna trust the one who can to take care of the need that you've made in your own life. Look at what he's saying in verse, the latter part of verse 18. He says, listen, I, I want you to know this too, that your, your offering is an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable unto God, well-pleasing rather to God. He's using Old, Old Testament terminology like a priest that would come in and offer up, you know, that peace offering or offer up that, 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 that offering that would have a smell and, and it would be a sweet aroma. He says, listen, I want you to know this. Not only has your giving met my need, which by the way, missionaries have needs. Missionaries have needs and we should never cause a missionary to feel funny about asking for financial help or financial needs. You know, uh, uh, we just recently, I mean, addressed a lot of them and one of the missionaries said, hey, I, I, I just, I feel funny about bringing this back up again, but there's a need here. Well, yes, there's a need there and aren't we blessed to get to give to it? And we give it like, a, like an offering up to God and listen, according to the word of God, it smells good to God when we give it for the right heart in the right way. And it meets a real need that's there. And, and Paul says, listen, you've met my need and it's pleasing unto God. And then he says this, but my God shall supply. You have, you have given to me and I am full and my God will replenish you. Those who give can trust that God will supply. Have you seen that over and over in your life? When you have given, and you could have taken care of your own need, but you gave to take care of the work of the gospel, then what happens is that God takes care of your need. It's amazing how that, that works. And so he says, my God shall supply a few of the things that you might need. Now, please notice this also. It does not say, it say that God shall supply all of your greed. God shall supply all of your need, not all of your greed. He gives you what you need. He gives you all of your need. Well, obviously that, that certainly does apply to finances, but I believe it also is broader than that, that whatever your need is, God can supply it. If you're overwhelmed by a trial, God can give you the grace that you need to get through that trial. If you're at a place where you're at, like we've studied in the book of Philippians, where there was contention between these two ladies at least and probably others that were there, then God can give you the grace to help you get through all that. Hey, whatever your need is, God can supply it. You put yourself out, God can supply what you need. He says he shall do this according to the riches of his, of his grace. Well, hang on, let me look at verse number 19 again. Um, he says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. His riches, according to, um, someone pointed this out. It does not say that he shall supply all your need out of his riches. 
as though that depletes his riches. Like, <laughs> this is pretty awesome. Like if I, if I were to help you with something out of my riches, then it's been depleted. Naturally. But there's no depletion in God's riches. He does it according to his riches and glory. In other words, he suits it just right to what you need. According to his riches and glory. And, and it's, it's backed up. You talk about, you know, our, our uh, accounts being backed up and protected. You know, not all the world enjoys that, by the way. But what we enjoy is, is here in the United States of America. But that doesn't even compare with how things are in heaven. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And then he just praises God. He says, notice verse 19 again. He says, my God shall supply. But then in verse number 20, he says, our God. Our God is to be praised. Our Father is to be praised in glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he brings it to a close by saying this. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Every single believer matters to God. And then he says, the brethren that are with me greet you. That's probably Timothy. Well, it definitely is Timothy as he's writing the letter with, with Paul. Timothy, um, and then also Aristarchus and Luke and, and others that were there with Paul. So he says, my, my fellow ministers, they say hello. Those that are of the churches here in Rome or the churches there in Rome, they say hello. But then also the gospel has impacted some people in Caesar's household. Now, I'd like to know a little bit more about that, wouldn't you? I don't know all about it, but I do know Paul said, there's some of them that have been saved too. And they say hello. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And that is no way of just kind of signing off real quick. He's saying this, if you're going to live this out, you're going to need God's grace. But at every single turn in your life, you'll find that he's sufficient. And those that give can trust God to supply. Those that give, those that give, if you're, are you, first of all, ask yourself this, am I, am I giving? I think that's a good, good question to ask in light of this passage here. Uh, he says, listen, you did well that you gave. Are you giving? Well, if you're giving, first of all, make sure that you're giving of your tithes. And, and then also of the faith promise giving. And, and I'm thankful to God for how God's blessed us. Church, listen, I, I truly believe that God is entrusting us to funnel his resources to the mission field. It's a blessing. May God help us to stay in a place where we're receiving our contentment in him and then having good relationship with one another for the sake of the work of the gospel centered on Christ. When you, when you, one person said this, when you read the book of Philippians, at first you think, well, this is about Paul and Timothy and those workers. And then you get into it further and you think, well, it's about the Philippians and, and their life and it's centered on them. But when you dig deep into it, you find this out. It's all about Jesus Christ and our relationship with him and how that he has abundant resources and those that give can trust him to supply. Well, that, that, that works financially. But I think as you give of your time, I think you also see he supplies. When you give of your energy and your effort, you can trust God to supply. I'm going to give myself to this. I'm, I'm going to give myself because I love the Lord. And you can trust that God will supply. And when you don't know what to do, you can trust that God will show you what to do. How about we just look at ourselves as those that are on an errand from God? 
And he sent us on a mission. And all the resources that he's sending us to take care of that, they're his. They're not ours. And we are just privileged to be a part of it. I was speaking uh, with an individual today. I'm not quite at liberty to share it, but the details. But I think I can say it in a general way that would be a blessing to you. Church planner that um, was just about to lead the church. I mean, he making a decision about a you know a significant, a significant uh, use of their funds that God had blessed them with. But he said, I just I just wasn't comfortable with it. I just I just wasn't settled. You ever had those times? Or it's just something wasn't right about it. And then he said, somebody contacted us and said, hey, um, we'd like to buy your property. And <laughs> what, what that's going to do, if it all comes to fruition, is going to be exponentially more than what they would have ever dreamed that God would have done and what he was done. And you know, what I'm saying is this, those who give, because this has been a very giving church, I've watched God supply. Over and above in ways that truly, I know we use this terminology a lot, just kind of blows your mind. Because I had a preacher friend preach one time, you can't beat God's giving. You can't beat it. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel here and saying you give your seed money and no, that's all self-centered. But when it's gospel-centered... And it's for the work of the gospel for people to hear about Christ. God will fund that. It's really exciting. And I'm glad as Southwest Baptist Church, we get to be a part of it. Your heavenly bank account, it's not run out. Some of you are at a place maybe where you need God to supply and soon. And soon. He's not without funds. Where are we at? Middle of April. Got bills coming up. Not sure where all that's going to come from. Well, Paul said, I know where this ultimately came from. It didn't come from the Philippians. It came from God. And he just used you to get it to me. So I don't know what you need and how soon, but we're all drawing from the same account. And God has not run out. I have not received, and I don't think you have as well, a notification. Sorry, out of funds. You're on your own. Nope. Whether that's financial resources or grace or wisdom or power or strength or whatever the need is, he has not run out. You can trust him to supply. Let's stand together here tonight. Those who give can trust Him to supply. God, I thank You tonight that You supply all of our need according to Your riches and glory. And so, Lord, I know that that is a pointed text to those that have put themselves out, even for the work of the gospel, that they can trust You. And so that would be the right starting point for all of us to make sure that we're living a very gospel-centered life. But there is a need here. There's need, no doubt. There's all types of needs, both financial and health and, and in terms of life in general and relationships and work. And so, God, I believe that we are on safe ground to make sure that we're Christ-centered and gospel-centered 
and then to trust you to come through to meet the need. So God, we come to you tonight believing that you can supply. Not sure how you will, but knowing that you can supply. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask you to bless the invitation. Amen. Page 251, Jesus is calling. God spoke to your heart. You got a need um, that he needs to supply. You need, you need to see God come through and, and you want to trust him. Then won't you come on this verse as we sing. Brother Aaron's going to lead us on the very first verse. Would you step out and come as we begin? <laughs> 